Welcome to the Axe Church Leander podcast. Join us in person or online on Facebook at 9.30 a.m. Good morning. Submit yourselves to God. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend on what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, you don't know that, don't you know, that friendship with the world means enmity with God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend with the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, I, did, I made a joke at the beginning of this, right, that there's no one in this church that has fights or quarrels. But the reason why it's a joke is because it's all of us. And I, as pastor, am at the very front of the line. So the fact that, oh, before we get started, we do still have these James journals. So if you want to follow along, this is an opportunity for you to actually be able to take notes as you go. Uh, There were some on the chairs. We do have some extras back under the sending sign over there. We'd love for you to engage that way, just to be able to take notes and kind of get deeper into God's Word. All right, with that piece of note, what causes quarrels among you? It's something all of us struggle with. Something I struggle with. This week, I wrestled with this text more than I have wrestled with the text in a long time. And not because I didn't understand what it wanted me to do. I knew exactly what it wanted me to do. And that was the problem. I'm like, there's a lot going on here, God. There's a lot going on in me that all of a sudden when I am looking in the mirror, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing things that I like. I'm not seeing things that are of God. So it's challenging, but it's challenging in a good way because what it's ultimately trying to do is produce something good in us. But to get there, we got to go through this fighting and this quarreling, but we're going to actually back up just a little bit. We're going to go back to chapter 3 because the end of chapter 3 connects directly into where we're going to go. And just so you know, when you're reading your Bible and you open up to James chapter 4, verse 1, that was something that scribes put in after the letter was written. When James originally wrote this letter to the churches, it wasn't verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. It was just one long letter. And what happened is as historians, as Christians, translated it over and over again as a way to better reference, as to know where to go in the book, they put in these chapter sections and these verse numbers. But the reason why that's so important is because sometimes we can look and say, okay, this is a new section of Scripture that is separate from before, and especially in James, but throughout all the Bible, that that's not how it works. And so we're going to go back just a little bit to connect in James. So James chapter uh, 3, right, so it's talking about how we live by faith. 
And it says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and uh, sincere. Right? So God wants to do something good. He wants to make us peaceable. He wants to make us gentle, open to reason. And why? And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is what God is after. This is what James is calling the church to be about. To have this fruit of righteousness. And the more I read James, the more I realized how much it's connected to the Old Testament. And the idea of righteousness, especially in the Old Testament, was all about right relationships. Doing right by someone. And Jesus shows up, and that's what he says, right? They say, hey, what are the most important rules we're supposed to live by? And it's just two relationships. Love God with everything you have. And and love your neighbor as yourself. And so James writes to the church, and he says, y'all, God wants to do something in you. God wants to produce fruit in you that is gentle, and that it's open to reason, and that's peaceable, and it's going to have this harvest of right relationships. James is like, this is all what it's about. That's what God wants in you, which then connects us into, so what goes wrong? What does cause quarrel and fights among us? What do we fight about at the dinner table with our family, with our coworkers, with our students, with, with our friends, right? And all of us fight. All of us quarrel. So the trick is, why? Where is this coming from? And James chapter 4 unpacks that. And what we're going to see is our human nature is going to say the problem is in the other person, Right? If they would change, I would be okay. But that is not what James says. Instead, James says, y'all, it, it starts in the mirror. Is it not that your passions are at war within you, he says? You desire and, and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. This is some heavy stuff here, right? Right? Like, is it not you have these passions that are battling and that desire that you're causing to murder? Okay, now there's two things that are either going on here. One, either the early church was way more violent than we thought and there was actual physical murder going around, right, Hunger Games style, or two, that James knew that the church knew Jesus' teachings. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus redefines murder not as, oh, you physically killed someone or you physically assaulted someone, but instead, he says, anytime you get angry with someone, you've committed murder. And he says, actually, if you say to someone, you fool, well, you're in the danger of hell, right? James redefines or reminds them how Jesus redefined what murder is. Erica had a friend who called it character assassination. I was like, what, what is character assassination? He goes, oh, when you're upset with someone and you decide, because there's a gap here, I want something or I expected something, and it didn't happen, well, now I'm not going to physically hit you, but I am going to assassinate your character. The reason why this happened is because you're lazy or because you're spiteful. Or you're jealous because you're petty 
or greedy, or right? We, we assassinate the character. We attack the character of the people we are in conflict with because there's a gap in what we expected to happen. And as we learned about in chapter 2, we're still sinner saints, and that sinner side of us, that broken side of us, it wants to go to war. It's willing to commit acts of assassination, even if it's just in our head, about what God is doing in and through his people, right? So there's these gaps. There's these things that cause us to quarrel. And it goes on. You do not have because you do not ask. And you do not ask and you do not receive because you walk wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that your friendship with God is, or your friendship with the world is enmity with God going on? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The world plays by those rules. The world plays by us versus them. If there is a gap, if something went wrong, you're allowed to do that. Right? That's tribalism 101. The easiest way to be right against someone is to make them an enemy, to be justified in how you act towards them, and then to go after them. That's, that's the way of the world, but, but that's not the way of Jesus, and that is not the way James is calling the early church to live and to act. He says, y'all, you can't play footsie with the world. We talked about that last week. You're all in or you're not all in. And that's it. And that's actually good news. It's hard news, but it's good news because what we see, or do you suppose it is not the purpose of Scripture that says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? God is jealous for you. God wants a relationship with you. He wants all of you because he wants all of you to experience those fruit of gentleness and to be open to reason and to be peacemakers and to be agents who specialize in right relationships, in loving their neighbor as themselves and loving God with all that they have. James writes to the early church and he says, y'all, God wants all of you. But, but the only way for God to get all of us is to go through some hard stuff and, and that's what this next section of scripture is talking about. See, he gives us more grace. Therefore, God says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And grace, karas, literally means a gift, this divine favor he gives us. He's like, yo, I don't want you to get stuck in the ways of the world. So how do we get out of the ways of the world? Well, this is where it gets a little uncomfortable. Because he doesn't say play pretend. He doesn't say try harder. Instead, He says, submit yourselves to God. So first, posture. First starting, you know what? I'm not in control. I'm I'm not really good at being in control. Y'all aren't really good at being in control. Some of my biggest problems came from my best ideas. Right? So submitting ourselves to God. That posture where, you know what, God? You're God and I am not. Starting there goes on. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Okay, so when that sin shows up, 
when that opportunity to lean into the sinner side of our sinner saint, hold firm, and the good news is Satan will flee. God doesn't say, hey, good luck with him. Instead, there's a promise. No, no, no. When we lean on God, when we're submitting, when we're resisting that, he's going to do something. He's going to show up, and Satan's going to go away. Draw near to God, and, and he will draw near to you. Right? This is hard, but, but it's good. I'll give you a light example in and through the life of the Miller household. Friday night, I was going to have my sister over for dinner. And Eric and I had talked about it. We had time. Everything was good, right? And uh, then we had to move the time up a half an hour. So I had less time to prepare dinner. I had less time to go get groceries, right? Okay, so an external event happens that my wants, my plans changed, right? So now I'm rushing to the grocery store. I get to the grocery store, and they don't have the other half of the meat that I need, Right? So another external thing that I was hoping for goes wrong. And then in rushing, because Erica is the one who makes lists, because like, she's a wise woman, and I'm the one who wants to get out as fast, I left the pasta at the store. Right? So another, another gap. Was, and then I showed up, and I didn't have aluminum foil to cook with. Right? It was just this cascading effect of things going wrong. And as things went wrong, as the wants started to pile up in my life that weren't happening, Erica comes home from the dog, uh, from the vet, and she's like, oh, it was X amount. I'm like, X amount? She's like, yeah, it's more. I was like, ah, right? Bigger and bigger, harder and harder. And then I started finding enemies everywhere. Had nothing to do with Erica. Had nothing to do with my sister. And I could feel it rising up inside of me. And again, I told her I had to wrestle with this a lot this week. I had to submit myself to God. I literally had to stop cooking, go into the bedroom, and spend five minutes on my knees resetting myself, and not just praying, God, give me strength. I, I did pray that. Not just praying, God, allow me to have a good relationship with my wife and my sister today. I, I did that too. I actually had to repent because as those gaps got bigger, I started character assassinating everybody, right? And that's what this next section is. This is the hard work, and it's not fun, but it's good, Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Right, this is not happy text right here, right? This isn't this like joyful, like, oh, you get those like warm fuzzies in your heart, right? This is heavy stuff. This is hard stuff. You know what this is describing? Repentance. The way to true relationship, the way to good relationship is through repenting, is through being honest with God. I am still a sinner. I am still wrestling with this. And the stuff in my head that is not of you, God, the stuff in my actions that is not of you, help me, forgive me, set me on a new path. And so we're going to do that. We're going to use this as our confession. Then what we're going to see is our absolution, that God doesn't just leave us there. Wow, Josh, you really screwed up dinner. Good luck with that. Instead, God gives us grace. But we're going to use this. We're going to pray, and then together, we're going to speak these words. And then together, we're going to hear God's response. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you all in our own fights and quarrels. Lord, whether it's with family, friends, coworkers, Lord, whether it's with you, Lord, it's so easy to fall into the trap of the world. 
Lord God, we know the way out of the trap is through your son, is through the forgiveness of sins. And, and so we confess and we lament in the words of James and we say together now, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. The good news is that when we humble ourselves before the Lord, that he will exalt us. Acts Church Leander, Pastor Josh, God forgives our sins. He remembers them no more. He lifts us back up to be in right relationship with him and then to be in right relationship with each other. And that's what James is all about. How do we live righteously? How do we do right by one another? And it's through Christ, but it's through being honest with God. Yes, I am still wrestling with this stuff. And then when we do that, he takes it away. And it's not like we had a perfect dinner on Friday, but I was able to put down myself, my own grievances, my own external issues that were happening, and just enjoy the moment that God was giving us. And we're going to see that in just a little bit of what that looks like. But this section of Scripture ends by James talking about, okay, so how do we live with one another, and what is the point of the rules that God gives us, right? So he goes on, he says, So do not speak evil against one another, brothers. For the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. Okay, so this is Old Testament speak. And he's talking about the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments deal with two things. How do we love God and, and how do we love each other? Right? What we're supposed to do for one another. Jesus simplified it even more and just said, love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law. Jesus says everything he's about is wrapped up in those two things. Problem is, the law is for us. It's not for our neighbor. It's not about what they do. It's about what I do. And so when we start getting wrapped up in why isn't this person acting the way they're supposed to? We're missing the point. We've become the judge. We've become the one who gets to punish, who gets to condemn, who is righteous, at least self-righteous. And James looks and says, guys, that's not your role. There's one judge. He's very good at his job. He's also very gracious in his job, which is good. Because if we decided to go back to playing by the, rule, the world's rules, that ends poorly for all of us very quickly. So instead, he says, y'all, live by the law. Don't hold everyone else up to it. For there is only one lawgiver and one judge. And he is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? The good news is that we have a God who is good and gracious and who specializes in love and care and compassion. And he's not done yet. And he's fighting for us and he's fighting for you and he's fighting for his neighbor and he's trying to find a way to put us back in right relationship with him and right relationship with each other. All right, so that section runs down the, okay, what does this righteousness look like between us and God? What does this righteousness look like between us and each other? And then 
We have a very practical section of Scripture. So if you are following along in your journals, you can highlight this. This is one of the most practical things that the Bible will ever tell you about how to live your life, and especially, and this is the trick, how to make plans. Right? So it goes on. So come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go about and do such a thing. We'll go to such a town, we'll spend a year here, we'll trade and we'll make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for just a little time and then vanishes. Right? Every single person in this church makes plans. You may make plans for your retirement. You may make plans for your house, for a vacation, for going grocery shopping, for cooking dinner for your sister on Friday night. All of us make plans, right? And it's good. It's how we live. But what James says to the early church, he's like, y'all, when you're making plans, you're pretending you're God. You're pretending you're actually in control of all the different circumstances that are out there. And when you do that, you're setting yourself up and you're setting everyone else up for failure because you're not God. You're not in control. In fact, he uses, again, a reference in the Old Testament, this idea of mist, this idea of vapor. This is Ecclesiastes language. Whenever you see in Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, the word is literally vapor, vapor, or the morning mist. He goes, all of our plans are just the morning mist. Sometimes they happen, sometimes they don't. But what happens when our plans don't happen and we're clinging to them? That's when that gap shows up. That's when that wanting shows up. That's when my passions don't happen. And then that sinner side of me starts coming out, and all of a sudden I'm either mad at God why did you allow this to happen? Why didn't you allow this to happen? Or I, I'm mad at you. I'm mad at my neighbor. They're the reason this didn't happen. Right. James looks to the church and says, y'all, don't make plans that way. He doesn't say don't make plans, but he says don't hold to them like that. He goes on and he says, let's see, there we go. Instead, you ought to say, and here's the practicality, if the Lord wills it, we will do this or we will do that. As it is, you boast about your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. How do we make plans? Open-handed. If it's God's will, this will happen. If it's God's will, I'll go on vacation. If it's God's will, I won't get sick. If it's God's will, my retirement will work out this way. And when we hold our plans like that, when we hold to the promise of daily bread, that God will give us what we need today. And even if we make a plan and it doesn't get executed the way we thought it was, God still shows up and says, I'm still moving for you. I'm still fighting for you. I'm still doing something good in this world. And so when we're talking about making plans, we're talking about how we live. Doing it with our palms up, God, I think this is where we're going to go. And if it's your will, awesome. And if it's not, give me the grace and the patience and the peace and the openness to reason, all that stuff in James chapter 3. Lord, give me all of that if it doesn't go the way I thought. Because I'm going to trust more in your plans than mine. Because again, as we started off with, some of my worst decisions came from my best thinking. Where I was so certain if I just get this, if I can just date this person, any of you guys ever done that one? If I just dated this person, everything would be okay. Then you date that person, you're like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Right? God's plans are better than ours. In every area of our life. Where we go to school, what we're going to do for a career, 
how a project is going to go. And so going in open-handed with God that he is going to do something good, even if it's outside of what we expected. And then James ends with this stinger. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him or her, it is a sin. This is what we call sins of omission. Sins of commission are things that I'm going to do that I know aren't right. So when I get angry, when I yell at someone, when I honk my horn, when they cut me off, right? Those are commission sins. I did something bad. But what we see in the New Testament is God saying, y'all, it's not just about doing something bad, it's about doing something good. And so James writes to the church and he's like, when you're supposed to do, when you have the opportunity to do something good and you don't, that also is out of line with what God is doing. Because God isn't just trying to cleanse us from unrighteousness to make us neutral. He's trying to make us positive. He's not trying just to set down the stones. He's trying to repair relationships. And how that happens is by us loving our neighbor as ourselves, acting on the call that God has placed in our life. And so, yes, it is both something that we have to wrestle with and repent of, of, you know what, God, there are times where I was supposed to do stuff and I didn't. But, but it also is a blessing in the fact that it allows us to be bold. When God gives us an opportunity to do something good, we take it. And in doing that, we stay in sync and in right relationship with him, thus in right relationship with each other. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to pray. We're going to get the kids back in, and then we'll go into a time of communion. Heavenly Father, Lord, James is hard. Uh, James, at least for me, is a book that challenges how I live my life. Lord God, I pray that you shape me. I pray that you shape this congregation. Lord, that in the areas that we find ourselves fighting and quarreling, our first posture would be to submit to you, to resist the urge, to go to war, Lord, to repent. But Lord, not to repent to make ourselves feel less than but to be honest about where we are, that you may raise us up, that new life and love and fruit could start to spring up within the relationships that you place into our lives, that we may better love our neighbor as ourself. He says, all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about our church at actschurchleander.com.